0: Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Search with Candor podcast recorded on the 8th of August 2019. I'm Ayush Kumar and we're going to be learning a bit about search. So in this episode, we're going to actually be hearing from Stacy McNaught about some much-loved content marketing. We know you love them at Search Norwich. It's probably the most in-demand talk. Stacy came in for Search Norwich 6, actually, earlier this year and gave a great talk, which I really enjoyed myself. She's actually talked at Brighton SEO before, as well as MozCon and Learn Inbound, so I already knew that it was going to be a great talk. She goes over the nature of content marketing, some top examples of it, and also why it's so beneficial. But the main purpose was to show and give some great examples of how SMEs can actually produce top quality and low risk content on a small budget, and how it can actually get you some much loved links and a high ROI. She shows some real life examples and shares some tactics for link acquisition as well, and I took a lot away from this talk, and I hope you do too. So here's Stacy.
1: Hi, so, yeah, I'm Stacey, SEO specialist, I guess. I was with an agency in Manchester for 10 years, and now (coughs) I run a very small consultancy just outside Manchester. There's just five of us. There's no traffic. Uh, It's great. Um, And not very many people around, which is lovely. And then today I learnt that Norfolk has no motorways. (laughs) (laughs) So so I drove today. And uh, I had a motorway for, like, 30 miles from my house, and then no more motorway. But lots of tractors. So today I've learned something new. There is somewhere in England with no motorways. I love marketing. Like I'm obsessed with marketing. It's, it's almost a hobby for me. And it's not just the SEO side of it. Wider marketing in general. I love, I love being marketed at. Like people put crap through my door. And my husband's like, oh, put it in the bin, the recycle. I let me look. Um, everything. I like retargeting. I love it. I'm an absolute geek for this stuff and i'm obsessed with how people buy and why they buy and some of the absolutely batshit insane things that businesses will do to try and get attention it's a bit mental and i enjoy it and this is probably my absolute favorite marketing stunt of all time for all the wrong reasons which i'll go through in a minute (coughs) this is felix baumgartner seven or eight years ago now about to parachute from the edge of space for red bull um the guy's fucking crazy. But this was amazing. And it's just, it's just insane. So obviously Red Bull for them, it's like a big marketing stunt. But obviously this is a win-win situation. I'm assuming there's no amount of money in the world could make somebody who didn't want to dive out of the edge of a spaceship um, cause Red Bull needs a good social media campaign. <laughs> I'm assuming that didn't happen. So what I like to assume happens is that this was a lifelong ambition for this crazy guy who needed a whole load of money to fund it and Red Bull were like, yeah, we've got marketing budget way more than we're ever going to need. So, yeah, sure, jump out of a ship and we'll give you a suit with our logo on it. It was brilliant. And I go back and rewatch this over and over and over again and it gets no less completely insane to me. And just a few stats from that, he traveled at 843 miles an hour in free fall, that's completely insane, 3 million tweets about the jump during the event itself going back a few years now, the Twitter user base was less than half what it is, 8 million simultaneous live viewers on YouTube while this crazy guy was falling to potentially his death, it all worked out okay from space, Um, 43 million views subsequently on a 90 second highlights reel, and this is the Google Trends graph for not for Felix Baumgartner, not for the guy whose life was in danger as he died from a spaceship, but for Red Bull whose logo was on the spacesuit. Um, that's the search trend for their brand in that month. And there's never been anything like it for their brand other than that. There is a slight jump for Felix Baumgartner, slight jump for Stratos jump, but really it's all about Red Bull. Quite cleverly done. And I'm an SEO, this is how many referring domains they have got pointing back at their Redbullstratos.com website. Essentially, any news site that you could name off the top of your head if you're on one of those dodgy TV shows where they make you name things dead fast, if you're on one of those, I can pretty much guarantee that anything you'd come up with, they've probably got a link from, which is great. So essentially, if you want to do link building, all you're going to need is a guy who's crazy enough to jump out of space a website, some pretty high-tech video equipment and 50 million euros. So that's how much this was rumoured to cost. 50 million euros. And granted, it probably wasn't coming out of a link building budget. Uh, It was probably coming out of a pot of miscellaneous, here's all the budget that we just have to spend on all this crazy crap that people like on YouTube. But none of my clients have ever agreed to sign off 50 million euros or a guy who's batshit crazy enough to jump out of a spaceship. So yeah, that's not going to really work. Was it worth it for them? So I spent a bit of time digging through this. And I put a decade of marketing experience and 20 years worth of marketing geekery into analyzing whether it was worth it and came to the conclusion that I've got no idea. Literally none. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if they sold more Red Bull. I don't know whether they give a crap about links back to their site I don't know really what the lasting impact of brand recall is seven eight years from now so I can only assume that Red Bull really placed 50 million euros worth of value in going down in history which of course has got its place but none of my clients will give me 50 million euros to go down in history which is a little unfortunate for me but on a more real-world scale and talking specifically about content marketing I think if you're in a fortunate position to have a pretty healthy budget to spend on content marketing and you're looking to do big creative interactive that's great and you probably won't find much stuff better over the last year than some of the stuff that Verve Search are doing. So Verve Search did this for their client lens store and they rigged out a ridiculously high building in London with some of the most recent, um, some of the most up-to-date high-tech camera equipment took thousands upon thousands of 360-degree images over a 24-hour period, then stitched it all together to make an absolutely incredible gigapixel image that you can time-lapse, you can run through any time of day, zoom into any landmark. It's, it's beautiful. The whole thing is absolutely incredible and has built links on some really amazing websites. Um, the one thing that you'll always find with the work that Verve do in particular as well is they build links to their content and rankings increase so they are actually hitting end goals with content like this and it's great and I think having gone from ten years ago where I think I was part of the SEO environment that was responsible for contributing some of the shittest content to the internet that's ever existed um, we broke the infographic I mean not not just me we all did it we all broke the infographic We wrote articles about the benefits of waste management and the history of accountancy. And we did that because we were terrible, terrible people um, who wanted better rankings. But now, fast forward 10 years, and we're in this situation where actually I think SEO teams and content marketing teams driven by SEO are creating some of the best stuff on the internet, genuinely. But if you haven't done it before, that's a little bit intimidating to go and play with some of these people particularly if you're not necessarily thinking about investing sort of five even six figures in content marketing there are reasons not to um, so echoing a little bit about what Marco said before clients are like yeah I need content marketing I need a big interactive I need this in- infographic or I need this quiz there are often reasons not to invest in content and I have these conversations with quite a lot of businesses who inquire where they're like I need this thing like yeah I don't think you do um, some businesses don't need to do it. If your objectives are SEO objectives and your competitors are not particularly doing a great job on SEO, their link profile is not particularly advanced, then unless you just have a load of extra budget that you just desperately want to spend, you may not need to spend 10, 20, 30,000 pounds on content marketing projects to get links on massive websites. Another reason not to is you simply don't have the budget to spend on those kind of things. And that isn't necessarily because the budget doesn't exist. Sometimes there's things like, well, yeah, it exists, but it's kind of tied up in this. Or, yeah, this pot's there, but here is a big ROI figure. We're going to stick on top of that. So if you're going to spend that budget on this, obviously we're expecting seven times revenue back or something along those lines. And for other people, I come across quite a lot of businesses who will say to their teams, yeah, you can spend that, but only if you spend this little pot first and it works. And I think whenever you try anything new in marketing, there's a degree of trial and error and you don't necessarily want to go all in on the first hand. We all start somewhere. That's my two-year-old who's become obsessed with these little one kilo dumbbells. Um, So um, I I envision that one day he's going to be a bodybuilder, but it's all started with that. And everyone starts somewhere. So what I'm gonna talk about now very quickly is some pretty solid examples of marketing being done by all kinds of companies in the industry. Uh, Certainly not all mine, there's some, some great PR agencies in particular doing some great stuff. Projects that look like they're on a smaller budget and then some sort of tools and techniques that you can employ to kind of try at least experimenting with content marketing more without going all in. I don't know if anyone saw this last week, I believe the PR agency behind it is Cherish PR and this is Spa Seekers and they put a blog post essentially, nothing complex in the production, advertising a dream summer job where basically you sit in spas for a whole summer and get paid and actually I think about 100 pieces of coverage we're looking at now, I had a quick nosy at this and there's nothing to what they've produced essentially, it's it's just, it's a dream job. But actually, you dig into it, it's not even a dream job. What they're actually offering is the, the, when you apply, and you apply by putting an Instagram photo up with some hashtags on, so there's some social benefit, the successful applicant will get a handful of spa days over the course of summer and 500 quid at the end of the summer. I couldn't live off 500 quid all summer. My children would eat 500 quid worth of Haribo over summer, so I've got no chance. So it's obviously not a job, really. It's a competition with quite a nice price. But what the PR agency have done is they've spun it as a dream job because another competition doesn't get links everywhere. It doesn't get picked up. The news doesn't care if you're offering a free spa day in a competition. But if you're offering a summer job that's going to pay you to lounge around in jacuzzis, people will talk about it. So it's just clever spinning of a very simple competition. Even if they were paying for the spa days, <coughs> we can assume that there isn't a significant cost in delivering that. <coughs> these puzzles, and these are things that uh, Hannah, who's here tonight as well, um, first came to me when we were both working together in an agency <coughs> in Manchester, and she's like, the press love these puzzles. So I was like, well, any time I see one of my friends share them, I defriend friend them. Um, <coughs> still do that, even if they're sharing mine, um, because I just don't like them. But one of the things I've learned about myself over the last few years is that I am rarely the target audience for my own content, rarely. Little visual puzzles, quick to consume, can be turned around in half a day, don't cost a great deal to do, never going to get as many links as they did a few years ago, but the likes of the Daily Mail, Business Insider, Heart Radio, there's a handful of publications in the UK, loads more in the US, who will still publish and link to these if you can tie them in with relevance with your business. And it's because people still share them on social. And a number of journalists are measured on social engagement, they're measured on comments. And if you read these on the Daily Mail, the comments are actually just a barrage of abuse. Um, But still, it's a comment, and it would appear that people are measured on that. Um, In fact, don't read Daily Mail comments, please don't waste your lives doing that. Simple surveys with a blog post attached. Uh, This is about a year old. Another one I worked on with Hannah. Uh, Client sells biomarker tracking kits, little home blood test kits you do with a finger prick. And one of their biggest sellers is cortisol, stress marker. So we were talking about stress and what causes stress. And continually and rightly so, mental health's got quite a place on the news agenda. So we looked at what was out there already. A lot of academic papers about stress. A lot of academic papers about cortisol. Not many real world data pieces about real people's experience. So we did something that was not remotely complex at all, nothing that hasn't been done before, a survey, just speaking to people about their experiences of stress. Found that 85% of the UK would consider themselves regularly stressed, which was just an absolutely insane figure. And around about a third of them, you're talking multiple times per week, where they're sort of feeling the physical effects of stress. So we're like, well, this is going to resonate, because if 85% of the UK is feeling stressed, then you can absolutely believe that 85% of them are going to care about this problem. So promoted, Hannah worked with a number of journalists, got this covered in a handful of really good publications. And before we'd launched, I was like, there's actually some real demand for people looking for statistics like this quite a lot. And at certain times of the year, there's stress awareness, months, days, all sorts of things. So we optimize for stats queries. And as a result, with relatively small investment and literally no work done on this piece since last May, June, May, June, coming up for a year, there's now 116 referring domains here. Uh, there's nothing being done to it. I can take zero credit for the last year. I've done nothing. Sat back and watched a link graph grow. And it's because it ranks for statistics, queries around stress. So journalists like at The Independent will go off, find it, cite it in a piece about relaxation likes of women's health magazines but then sites that we couldn't even pitch like AXA and forest holidays and the RSPB who are doing pieces about how bird watching or forest holidays will be relaxing and of course the context and the background is this immense amount of stress that we're under so I think that with reduced budgets actually you don't always have the flexibility to spend six months on outreach you see loads of people saying yeah outreach is never over you outreach until everybody dies like you just carry on outreaching and if no one's come back to you yet you keep outreaching until the world is over but in reality budgets don't always allow to have a full team to just crack on and crack on and crack on and if link building is going to be scalable then you have to have assets that can build links without you being involved to some degree that's one way in which you can do it is with these resources with simple keyword research and a story behind them that say yes There's enough of a story that the press will want to talk about it now but there's also enough search volume in the stats queries or in the questions or in the informational queries around it that we know people are going to want it long term even if we're not doing the outreach another really simple one this was half a day submitting freedom of information requests and half a day putting the content together and about half a day again talking to journalists about the proportion of primary school applications that were submitted late Uh, I'll talk about Freedom of of Information shortly. And again, regional campaign picked up uh, links in, all the regional press that has the most problems with late applications. Stories are more important than bells and whistles regardless of how much budget you've got. It's just that sometimes you can get away with a mediocre story if you give it a costume that nobody's done before. You really can, unfortunately. If you dress it up well enough, sometimes a story that's okay becomes great. When you haven't necessarily got the design, the development resource to dress it up really well, the story becomes even more important. And we should always be adopting a format last approach. The number of conversations that I've had that start with, I think I need an infographic. Nope. No, you you don't. Or, I think I need a video, or I think I need a quiz, say, nope, no, you don't need a story. And then we'll talk about how we're going to present it. And it's all about ideas which are not expensive but they're not that easy to generate either so a whole other talk um, but I did do a post on ideas generation some of the techniques that I've tried working with different teams to get better ideas to get more of them I'll tweet that link as well and it will be on the resources section on search Norwich as well Um, but I think two of the quickest things you can do is to learn from publishers in your area so if you're in healthcare go to the likes of all the healthcare publications. If you're in home interiors or furniture then go and take a look at House Beautiful's backlink profile or their social content profile and look at the pages that are performing best for them. And if you look at House Beautiful you think okay these guys do a lot of content they have probably got budget. They're not doing interactives they're sharing 40 photographs of patios. And that's what's working best for them is 40 photographs of patios. So actually there's no need to spend on big interactives if what's getting the most link equity from the people who'd know best, publishers, whose business is content, is is literally a very simple gallery of pictures of patios and kitchens. So in any sector that you're in, I would go off, I'd find the publications that are doing the best in your particular area and find out what's working for them. They've decided it's working for a reason. um, And generally speaking, the ideas, the seasonality of their content, the format they're choosing to present it in, can give you quite a lot of information about how you should be presenting yours too and learn from media kits every decent publication in the world will produce a media kit most of them are geared at selling advertising they've all got a ton of really valuable information in so they'll include things like editorial calendars this is exactly what we're writing about and when so you know what kind of content to pitch them They'll tell you dates for deadlines for the ads, which will also then tell you loosely if the ad deadline closes then, the editorial deadline's probably a little bit before. So you can get an idea as to when, if you're gonna pitch them some content in this theme, when you should be doing it. Condé I love, because it gives you a ton of Im- information about demographics. So if you're gonna pitch a certain uh, section of the press, you really need to know who they think they're writing for. So for us writing about stress, we, when we're going to say women's magazines, it wasn't writing about stress, it was writing about what causes women's stress. It was about tailoring that story to the exact um, set of people that we're writing for. I did start on a list of media kits. I sometimes go in and delete old ones and update these. I can't promise that will be done very regularly. But there is a list of media kits that exist there as a starting point at bit.ly slash UK hyphen media hyphen kits. Um, so do feel free if you're going to have a look to go and take a nose at a few of those. But a good starting point, media kits are free. So before you even start looking at content ideas, at content formats, go and just check out exactly who you're writing for. And you may also find that something you're about to write about in March is actually already listed as editorial content for one of your target publications in June, so you can pitch a little bit better. So some actual tools and things that you can go in, use when you're producing content productions where it can get really expensive. Yes, if you've got big teams of people doing ideation and concept development, that's pricey. But production is where money can just fall into a black hole with content. You don't have to have a load of budget to do interactives. Yes, it's great if you have, and it's ideal if you can make it bespoke. But just a few tools that will make content interactive for you. Juxtapose is free uh, from a group called Night Lab. And that's where you can lay two photos over each other, drag it over. It's like before and after shots and things like that. Totally free. Interactive maps with StoryMap, totally free and very easily embeddable on your website. Uh, MapMe.com uh, has a small fee associated with it. Tend to look prettier than the other one though, I think. Uh, but again, dead easy, drag and drop, no technical knowledge needed, no designer needed, no developer needed. Infogram for interactive graphs and things like that, which actually tend to go down really well with stats based pieces. Appster.com quizzes, interactive polls, stuff like that. Uh, and one of my favourite at the moment I've just started using over the last few weeks is Flourish. So you may have seen on Twitter all these bar chart races that people are sharing where you get over the course of a year, it, it, sort of every year the, the picture changes, the bar chart changes. It's such a smart way to show a change in an industry. I think that one of the best ones I've seen is the search engine one and another one on um, games console sales over the last 20 years and stuff these guys have a bar chart race option now but tons of other like data visualization things where you literally just set it up the free version the the only catch with the free version frankly is that it has their advertising on if you're embedding on your own site and putting enough value around it you can still be pursuing the link to your own website and shorthand used by a lot of big publishers so you'll see the bbc sometimes has these pieces of content that almost look like microsites. these beautiful features they have Uh, A lot of things like that are built in shorthand, and again, no real designer needed, they've got quite a lot of templates already there. Big fan of data at the centre of a story for me. Um, Data in itself, boring, I hate numbers, but data tends to reveal quite a lot of really interesting stories, but can be expensive. Doesn't have to be, I mean I'm a big fan of one poll, three gem census wide for buying data in for surveys if you're going to be going sort of with a very credible research piece something a little smaller, light-hearted. Because the latter ones will cost you sort of 1,500 to 2,500 for a survey of 10 questions to 2,000 people. This stuff, for a single question, you can ask 1,000 people from like 70 quid or something. So uh, I did one a few years ago where I asked 1,000 Americans to name a British city other than London, just for fun, really. And Paris and Wales came out in the top 10. Um, And because that was like, just a bit more lighthearted, we weren't looking for like, you know, anything that was going to get cited in a medical journal, just a bit lighthearted, Google surveys was great for that sort of thing. Um, But yeah, there there were some very interesting findings in that top 10. Freedom of information, I love. I think the thing is, if you're going to do any sort of freedom of information requests, Bear in mind this is publicly funded, they can charge you actually, if you make a Freedom of Information request to someone and they say actually it's going to take above and beyond the reasonable time, there's a fee. That could be anything from 30 quid to 150 quid I've experienced, often still worth it. But the core thing here is making sure there's a public interest element to your story. Um, The primary school one was a personal thing for me, I went through the primary school applications thing this year with my eldest and I am a little bit obsessive so I knew how to do it from long before he was even born because please don't tell my husband that um, and I'd already worked it all out but when we were going through it was dead easy I'm like well we actually didn't get a letter from the council or anything I was like that's quite unusual I thought you'd hear something and I was saying I could imagine how parents would very easily not even realise their child's supposed to start that year because they start at five don't they except they don't really they're actually four and a bit um, and mine could have gone, a, you know, a lot earlier, the, the way they were behaving at two and three, I'd have sent him off right away, they don't t- take them at two for the record, um, and I just thought it was quite unusual, and I wondered what impact that might have across the country, spoke to some of my friends in different areas, they were like, wow, we had no information either. So did freedom of information requests to councils about the number of applications that were late. Nationally, 7.5%. In my area, 17%. In some areas in the country, one in five applications were late the year before ours. And when you went to speak to the press about this, they were all then getting in touch with their councils about this communication method. and, And it was a big deal. And there were a few councils who had comments on the press pieces they published saying, what? I'm supposed to be applying for primary school? Help? So yeah, that to me had a genuine uh, reason to exist. You can also request freedom of information data from EU institutions until they kick us out for being such arseholes. Um, And a tonne of existing data sources as well. So NHS releases data about the number of prescriptions, the number of appointments, there's all kinds of data. Census data, there's loads of data from American institutions about crime. Kaggle.com has data around random movies and music sets. And most of this data goes vastly unused and just exists in spreadsheets because it's somebody's job to compile it. And then someone comes along every now and then and makes a great tool out of it really, really easily. And that someone could be you with relatively restrictive budgets. And Grepsa, which is, for anyone who is not techie, the idea of scraping website data is horrific. Uh, Grepsa does this for you with no technology required whatsoever i use this to scrape data from ebay ran queries like empty gin bottle empty perfume bottle scraped all the results for successful auctions and got an average price for what you could sell your household rubbish for it took two hours to pull the data a day to put the content together mirror sun express iNews, all picked it up with very little effort to be honest so yes content marketing doesn't actually have to mean big interactives but not having a budget doesn't mean that you can't get started, I guess. So I would say is invest more in the ideas, a bit more time in the ideas. Think about what kind of content's going to resonate. The production values and things like that, if you can't invest right now, obviously it's great to be able to later. Then just start finding creative tools and ways around it. Thank you.
0: And that was Stacey. I hope you enjoyed the talk. This was from a past Search Norwich event. We actually have another Search Norwich coming up on the 29th of August. And this will be our eighth event, and I really recommend you come to this one. We've got some great speakers lined up, such as Lexi Mills and Chris Green. You can get your free ticket from searchnorwich.org, and over 50% of the tickets have actually already gone, so be sure to get yours quick. As usual, links to the talks, the slides, and relevant material will be in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Ayush Kumar, and I hope you all have a fab week.